Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second of this week's Lineout podcasts. So in this episode, we will be talking about the dust-up at Murrayfield on Saturday between Scotland and England. Uh, Without a doubt, uh, easily the most anticipated game of the weekend. Um, And yeah, lots of scores to settle for both sides. Obviously, uh, it's really interesting. Like England-Scotland has become a real wild card fixture in the last five years in the Six Nations. Um, and, you know, it's for that reason that it is is so eagerly anticipated. I mean, who can who can really forget that 2019 game at Twickenham where Scotland came from behind in the second half, 31-7 down, to tie the whole thing 38-38? And, you know, they weren't a hair of winning it. And that was the first time, uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was phenomenal. And then two years later, last year, to pip the English at Twickenham uh, and claim their first victory at Twickenham since 1983. So, yeah, there's, you know, the last, you know, five years or so, especially since the 2011 World Cup, there's been lots of, you know, uh, lots of emotions and, and excitement around this game. I mean, obviously, it's a classic fixture, the Calcutta Cup fixture and the, the whole thing, you know, great, huge traditional rivalry between the two sides. But, um, yeah, uh, definitely uh, in the last few years, a lot of games for the ages there. One of the interesting things going into this game, um, you look at Scotland-England fixtures in the last uh you know, sort of 10 years or so. And what's really interesting is that Murrayfield is not a particularly happy hunting ground um, for the Scots when they play the English. In in many ways, if you look at the results of the last 10 years, Twickenham is almost a, a happier hunting ground for them, ironically. I know whether it's just the pressure playing at home in front of a home crowd where, you, you know, the expectation is you have to beat the English. I don't know, but, you know, the last five times they've met um, at Murrayfield, uh, Scotland's won one of them and England has won four of them. Whereas the last five times they've wet, they've met at, uh, at Twickenham, uh, Scotland's drawn one, won one and lost three. So if anything, it, they, they seem to be, play the English better away from Murrayfield. But we shall see. Uh, like I say, the weather looks absolutely uh, horrendous uh, for Saturday's game. I really hope it uh, is not as bad as the forecast is predicting, and it, it really detracts from from what is a, a great a great fixture that has so much potential to be a real nail biting game. As for England, you know, obviously that defeat uh, to Scotland last year at Twickenham, and then the you know the the almost effrontery of that comeback from from nothing back in 2019. Um, but you know, I think especially the the loss to to Scotland last year at Twickenham, and which then you know kind of set the tone for one of the most disastrous England the Six Nations campaigns that England's had in a very long time. So, you know, there's definitely scores to be settled there. Um, you know, England come to Murrayfield licking their wounds after last year and determined to, you know, set the, the record straight. I mean, you've got all the bluster in the media as usual with, you know, Eddie Jones do, do it as usual mind games and 
you know, basically saying Scotland that are, you know, hands down favorites to win this. Um, yeah, it's Eddie Jones, you know, what else can you say? Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think what's really interesting about England, this is a very much a new look England squad, uh, long overdue, mind you, but it's finally happened. Um, and on both sides, both these sides are just oozing talent. So, you know, if the weather doesn't get in the way too much, this this could be a real epic contest. But I think, unfortunately, sadly, the weather is going to kind of dampen proceedings a little bit. Excuse the pun. Uh, so, you know, I think it's going to be a little bit more of a, a slog as opposed to what it could be if it was, you know, a dry, sunny day uh, full of running rugby and kind of like a Formula One race. I think it's more going to be like a, a slog in the trenches. But uh a very interesting tactical, a lot of very interesting tactical battles will be going on. Anyway, uh, that said, let's have a look at the lineups. Uh, obviously, starting with Scotland, uh, they being the home team. Um, again, you know, a bit like, uh, you know, I was talking about in the previous uh podcast about the, the Welsh team. This, this is not a shabby Scottish team. This is actually pretty much a full strength Scottish team. And uh, you'd be hard pressed to think of, of any emissions. Um, front row, I think it's a pretty solid front row, if not spectacular. Uh, props, Rory Sutherland and Xander Fagerson. Obviously, Xander Fagerson will be looking to try and avoid the kind of red card problems he had last year, uh, an occasional lapses in discipline. But, you know, that's certainly in the prop department with Fagerson and Sutherland, very, very respectable and, and solidly competitive. At hooker, George uh, Turner. I I would have liked to have seen Ewan Ashman on the bench, but it's, it's not to be. Uh, but yeah, you know, George Turner, for the most part, I think he's a pretty respectable hooker. Um, you know, the big problem Scotland has is their line-out throwing. It was woeful last year in the Six Nations. Didn't really improve during the November series. Uh, and that is an area, I think, where England could, could punish them. Uh, moving into the second row, Johnny Gray, Grant Gilchrist. Again, a solid pairing. I think Johnny Gray in particular doesn't really get the credit he deserves as a defensive second rower. Um, you know... Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, him and Grant Kilgris can combine to, to form an effective partnership, particularly if they start to get their line out throwing sorted, uh, you know, Scotland starts to get their line out throwing issues sorted out. Uh, the back row though for Scotland does look very, very good. Uh, two of my favorite, you know, one of my favorite back row combinations is Hamish Watson and Jamie Ritchie in the six nations. Uh, I think those two guys are absolutely outstanding. Um, you know, Watson is everywhere. He's a, a nuisance. He's he's a great jackler. He's a turnover specialist. He, yeah, he's just in the thick of everything. Whereas, you know, Richie may not be as dynamic, but he's this quiet, powerful enforcer in the physical contest for Scotland and very, very effective at it. So, yeah, that's a, that's a great combination. And I think, you know, Matt Fagerson is an underrated number eight. Uh, I think he's just one of those players that's going to get better and better each season with Scotland. So, yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's perhaps, yeah, I, I think it's a solid, and I think it's actually a very balanced back row, uh, which England is almost, 
the Six Nations season there in that in in those terms. But um, I think Scotland has the hedge over them in, in terms of a balance and, and playing familiarity. Halfbacks, uh, Ali Price, no question about him at scrum half. He has been consistent for Scotland for the last year and very, very effective. He's just an excellent scrum half. I, I really cannot fault him. Finn Russell, uh, you know, kind of like I said in the in the blog, it's going to be this. A lot of these games in the Six Nations coming up are going to be decided by the fly half battles, and this game in particular is 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 a prime example of that. I think Finn Russell is uh, in the on the blog. I called it Wizarding Wars between him and and Smith because they both are magicians. The the two of them. I think Finn Russell is the more wild card magician, but that as brilliant as it is and as creative as it is at times, it's also a liability. We've seen that time and time again for Scotland where he just rolls the dice with something that it's just too much of a 50-50. When it works, it, it works to Scotland's advantage massively, but when it doesn't, and if it doesn't, and he keeps trying those sorts of things, uh, Scotland start to unravel a little bit quickly. I think the, the way I kind of look at it is Finn Russell tends to see the game and those around him purely through the eyes of a fly half. Um, whereas I think Marcus Smith, uh, you know, he's a fly half first and foremost, that's his role. That's what he plays, but he seems to be slightly better at seeing the game through the eyes of his other teammates as well. Uh, and how they feel the game is unfolding in front of them and then use and manage the game accordingly. Um, and I think in really wet weather, nasty conditions, that's the kind of fly half you need for a game like this. Um, and I'm just not sure that Finn Russell is that type of fly half. So yeah, we'll see. But you know, by the same token, if he if he draws, does keep drawing the lucky cards and tries things that on paper look outrageous, but actually work, then yeah, England could be in all kinds of trouble. We'll see. But I, I just think conditions are not going to favor the Finn Russell style of game on Saturday. We'll see. Uh, in the centers, though, I, I think uh, Scotland can feel very, very comfortable. Uh, I think that's a great center pairing of Sam Johnson and Chris Harris. Uh, it, it really combines sort of J Sam Johnson's flair on attack with Chris Harris's solidity in defense. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think Chris Harris is one of the most underrated players in test rugby uh, and probably one of the world's best defensive centers. So hats off to, to those two. I think that's a, that's a really effective center partnership. Um, out on the wings, Duane van der Merver and Darcy Graham. Um, obviously van der Merver was, uh, you know, the, the talk of a lot of the rugby press last year, a uh, big, powerful guy, very, very fast, uh, stunningly fast for a guy that big um and with his size comes a real problem in terms of trying to bring him down um yeah uh, still a couple of questions for both him and darcy graham particularly in terms of their defensive skill sets but i think more than that i just don't think uh the conditions in Murrayfield on Saturday are going to allow us to see very much of either of them. 
I don't think there's going to be a lot of aerial work. I don't think you're going to see too many balls up in the air. Um, and I think, you know, in order to, to, to counteract the conditions, Scotland are going to have to keep it in tight and therefore you won't see too much action out wide. We'll see. And then lastly, a fullback and captain Stuart Hogg, obviously a man who needs no introduction, exceptionally gifted, exceptionally talented player, uh, a good leader of men. I, I think, I think he's a good leader of his team, but again, are you going to really see, uh, too much of Hoggy on Saturday? Because again, the conditions don't really favor the game that he likes to play. Um, you know, I don't think you're going to see a lot of high balls and, you know, one of his greatest skill sets is being able to launch these insane counterattacks from deep off high balls. I just don't think you're going to see too much of that on Saturday. So we'll see, uh, you know, uh, I just, yeah, I, I just, that Scottish back line is exceptionally talented. I don't think they're going to give be given too much room to work with. Um, on the bench for Scotland, uh, very, I'm very happy to see uh, Pierre Skirman uh, as a prop replacement. I think he's looked really impressive, um, especially in the URC. He's, he's a real competitor, and I thought he had he had some good performances last year in November for Scotland. Stuart McAnally, and then WP Nell. You know, it's a respectable um, Scottish front row. Uh, replacement bench. Uh, it doesn't quite match up to the experience that England are bringing from the bench, but you know, respectable nevertheless. Uh, Sam Skinner. Um, some people have argued maybe he should have been uh, in the mix in the starting 15 in place of Grant Kilchrist. I can't really, I'm not really in a position to, to judge whether that's the right call. Um, Magnus Bradbury, I think, has looked impressive as a flanker. Um, so yeah, he's definitely some talent to work with. Uh, Ben White, um, comes in at the scrum half position, um, currently applies his trade, um, with, uh, Leicester Tigers, but, uh, yeah, I don't know enough about him. Unfortunately, I haven't watched enough of the premiership. Blair Kinghorn, interesting to see where Scotland ends up using them. Do they put him on? The wing? Do they put him at fullback? Do they put him at fly half? Uh, nice option to have. Guy can cover uh, a variety of positions. So uh, that's positive for them. And then Sione uh, Piloto, uh as a center replacement. Um, again, I haven't seen too much of him. Uh, I haven't watched too much of Glasgow in the in the uh, URC, so I'm not really in a position to judge. But, you know, it's a respectable bench and uh, certainly a good-looking, uh, a, a, you know, a potent Scottish starting 15. Over to England. Um, England's front row. It's not a bad front row. I'm just not convinced it's the right front row. Um, but then having said that, and this probably sounds pretty pretty foolish, I'm not quite sure what the, the right English front row is. You know, as the props, uh, Ellis Genge and Kyle Sinclair. Um, Genge, I think, is matured as a player, um, and I think that's a positive. Um, and I think he's becoming increasingly effective. And I think he's got a handle on his temperament. Kyle Sinclair, I can't say the same of. I don't find him an effective scrummager. I think his discipline is poor. 
his only real value I can see is his ability in the loose uh, when play breaks up. But I'm not sure that given my other concerns around him, that's enough of a risk to take, especially in a big game like this. But then by the same token, who else would you put in there? I think one area where England can feel really solid, though, is uh, with Hooker, uh, Luke Cowan Dickey. Very, very impressive. I think he's got that number two jersey nailed on his back uh, for England's future, uh, looking you know, down the rest of the Six Nations campaign and as well with an eye to the World Cup. So, uh, yeah, very, very... England should feel pretty confident about their abilities there, particularly given Scotland's line-out throwing wobbles. Uh, the second row... Maruatoji doesn't need any introduction, and he is potent in in whatever second row uh, combination England uh, decides to come up with. So I don't really have concerns with him, but I think they're kind of struggling with finding who they should play alongside him. Um, with you know uh, Johnny Hill is out injured, uh, but even then I'm still not convinced he's the the finished product. So this match you got Nick Izakewa. Um, yeah, don't know enough about him. Haven't seen enough of him play to really say what he's he's going to bring. But it's probably an unsettled partnership. That's where Scotland's is is more settled. So we'll see. I think the exciting thing about England, though, is they've finally decided. Well, first of all, Eddie Jones has decided that a number eight is a number eight, and it is actually rather a specialist position, and you need somebody who's a designated number eight. So it's really interesting that this game. He's not only decided to play uh, in the starting 15, a guy who is a number eight, Sam Simmons, and and good good luck to him. I mean, man, that poor guy, you know, what has he had to do to get Eddie Jones' attention? Uh, but anyway, there he is. He's the starting number eight, which is great. And I think Tom Curry, who I really like Tom Curry. I think he's a fabulous player. I think I always thought that he... Uh, was a new England captain in the making. And I'm really pleased to see that he's actually been, been given, uh, given the opportunity for this game, admittedly with Owen Farrell out injured and, and so forth and Courtney Laws as well. But I think he thoroughly deserves it. I'll, and I'm really excited for him to see how he gets on. But I think what I'm more excited about is to see him playing where he should be playing um, at number seven uh, on the flanks. So that's, that's great news. Uh, Kerry and Sam Simmons, that's absolutely fabulous. Lewis Ludlam, I am not convinced by. Um, yeah, I'll leave that. So, you know, I think with Kerry and Simmons, you've got an excellent English back row with Ludlam being the weak link, whereas I think Scotland have the much more cohesive back row. We'll see. Uh, the halfback pairings, Ben Youngs and Marcus Smith. Um a game of such high stakes, I can see why um, Jones has decided to stick with Ben Youngs at scrum half. And let's face it, I think Youngs got a real new lease of life when he was paired with Marcus Smith. Uh, with Marcus Smith in the mix, you know, Ben Youngs all of a sudden looks infinitely more dynamic than he has traditionally looked in the last few years. So, you know, maybe that's going to continue in this game, uh, in, in this Six Nations campaign, uh, him, this partnership with, with uh, Smith bringing out the best in Youngs. I have my doubts, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, 
But certainly Marcus Smith, um, yeah, he has earned that number 10 jersey. He's taken to test rugby like he's been playing it all his life. Uh, what an absolutely ginormous talent for England. Um, and I think, you know, in the battle between the fly halves on Saturday and, and Murrayfield, like I alluded to just a few moments ago, I think, you know, Marcus Smith is fiercely competitive um, as, as, a, as a number 10. Um, you know, he's just involved in everything. But I think one of the things I really like about him and one of the, the games I've watched him play in Europe and in the Heineken Cup is despite that almost frantic energy, it all looks very composed. And I think he's really good at just seeing all aspects of the game unfolding around him. And, you know, I, I alluded to it a few moments ago. He sees the game through the lens of all his other teammates. Whereas I think Finn Russell tends to see the Finn Russell game unfolding around him with his teammates as supporting actors. Um, I, you know, I think Marcus Smith is very good at seeing a game unfold and putting himself in the shoes of, say, an Alex Dombrandt or, you know, a Tom Curry or, or whatever. And I think that's a real talent and it's only going to get stronger as he gets more experience. And I think in a game like Saturday where condition, you know, weather conditions are going to be really challenging. That's the kind of fly half I would be wanting to put my money on to, to bring home, bring home the win. So we'll see, but you know, very, very exciting player and a huge, huge find for England. Um, and out wide, uh, you have Joe Merchant and Max Malins. Max Malins, I rate very, very highly. Um, be interesting to see how he is able to cope with the slightly larger and more damaging Duan van der Merver. Um, but, uh, again, a bit like how I said about the, the Scottish backs, I don't know how much given the conditions we're going to see a lot of, of backline play from either side. Um, Joe Marchant, you know, respectable player, uh, don't know too much about him. I haven't really seen that much of him. Uh, the few appearances he's had in an English jersey hasn't really hu made him hugely stand out for me. But yeah, he's obviously there for a reason. Uh, the one thing I was really surprised at was uh, the centers. Henry Slade, yeah, uh, that was a that was a shoe in. There was never going to be any doubt about that one. And I think he is playing some really good rugby at the moment. But Elliot Daly, it didn't really work for the Lions. Not quite sure how it's going to work any better in this context. Um, you know, I, I really hate to say it, and I feel it's really unfair, but, you know, Elliot Daly's a spent force for England. I don't think he fits anymore, and he's part of the old guard that is kind of redundant now. So, yeah, you know, and you look at that Scottish centre pairing of Johnson and Harris, that's an effective pairing. I, I don't see this as an effective pairing. We'll see, but, yeah, I'm not filled with confidence in that regard where i am filled with confidence and i kind of raved on about him uh, at the end of last year um freddie stewart at fullback for england what a revelation in, in some ways he was more of a revelation for me than marcus smith we all kind of knew what marcus smith could do going you know before he got his his, his test debut uh 
we weren't so sure with with Freddie Stewart, great player at club level, but how would he make that transition to uh, to uh, Test rugby? Boy, did he ever embrace it come November! Uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's put Elliot Daly in terms of the fullback position as, as he's made him look like ancient history now. Um, but yeah, I think Stewart is a real find. He's a bit like Hugo Keenan uh, for Ireland. The man coats his his hands in super glue before every match. He just doesn't seem to drop anything. And I think you know, in a game like tomorrow, uh, sorry, not tomorrow on on Saturday, you know, poor conditions, slippery ball, a guy like Stewart's going to be the guy you want because um, just everything sticks to him. And he's he may not be as flash as Hog in the lines he runs, but he's powerful. He's hard to bring down. He's a big guy. So yeah. Um, I think given the conditions, I'm kind of giving, you know, at, at the very back there with, with Freddie Stewart, England, a bit of an edge. And let's face it, it's great to see him there because it's a position that I think has been hemorrhaging points for England uh, in the last couple of years. And I think that's something they don't need to worry about anymore with Stewart uh, running the show at the back. So, yeah, going over to the bench. Um it's yeah, it's a pretty good looking bench uh, for for England. Uh, Jamie George, Joe Marder, Will Stewart. Not overly convinced about Will Stewart, but certainly I think Jamie George and Joe Marder will lend uh, some experience. And certainly Joe Marder seems to be kind of England's Renaissance man right now. Uh, Charlie Ewells, again, I don't know enough about him. I haven't seen him play enough, but the general vibe I'm picking up. From social media is not a huge amount of excitement to see him selected obviously lots of excitement to see alex dombrandt on the bench and i think it's going to be really interesting to see as the tournament unfolds and now that eddie jones has decided that yes you do need a specialist number eight are you just going to have it well dombrandt starts one game and simmons is on the bench for that game and then vice versa and vice versa as, as the tournament unfolds really interesting to see but what an exciting prospect you know, I've watched him with Harlequins in, in the Heineken Cup. Man, that is some player. Uh, so, yeah, Scotland, you've been warned. Harry Randall. Um, Harry Randall doesn't have the experience, but in a way I would have almost preferred to see him uh, get the start uh, over Ben Youngs, but I can understand why. A game of this high stakes, you know, poor weather, probably better to have somebody with Youngs' experience to start but uh look for him he's he's uh he's a sparky player george ford obviously um you know he and eddie jones seem to have a troubled relationship but uh he's playing a he's, his club rugby at the moment is great so he's uh i think it's a smart choice to have him there on the bench um as smith's replacement and then also jack noel um you know, he's made a real sort of renaissance in the last year. Um, it's back to some of his best, best, uh, best playing days. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I would say in many ways, it's a stronger English bench than, than Scotland's. Um, and that could be very telling, uh, in that last quarter. So we shall see. Uh, I think it's going to be a fascinating game. I think the weather is going to force a very tactical game. Um, and I think in terms of overall tactics, like I say, I think Smith, uh, could be the linchpin for England. 
but you just don't know. You know, the Scottish, this is a very, very, very capable Scottish side who certainly know how to uh, produce surprises. So we shall see. Uh, fascinating game. It's being shown on Dazen and Premier Sports here in this country, uh, both live and on demand. Uh, Premier Sports does now need a VPN uh, to use it. But say we're a big fan of the service because, you know, they've got the uh, the Six Nations, they've got the URC, uh, they've got Super Rugby, which starts in two weeks' time, uh, the November Internationals, the Rugby Championship. It's just, yeah, there's a lot of rugby for you there. Uh, but to say, you've also got Dazzle in this country, and then your free option is it's also being aired on the BBC. So if you have a VPN and a BBC account, which is free, which you can sign up for, then you can watch... Uh, the match on the BBC live and on demand. And once again, like with ITV, it's kind of nice because you get all the pre-match build-up commentary, the actual halftime commentary and the post-match analysis. But anyway, those are your three options. It should be, uh, even despite the weather, a cracking game, huge amount riding on it. It's going to be fascinating. So uh, yeah, hopefully I'll get something out on France and Italy tomorrow, uh, but I can't promise it as uh, work is starting to ramp up again. But take care, everyone. Enjoy what should be an absolutely fantastic weekend, and it's great to have the Six Nations back. Take care. Talk to you soon.